Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. This episode's sponsor is Thrasher Coffee. Visit thrashercoffee.com for small batch roasted to order coffees and use the coupon code ELECTRICDRIPS to save 10% on your order. I am Joe Darnell and joining me today is my friend and co-host, Mr. Eric Rauch. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing swell. I've had a lot of coffee in the last 24 hours. Yesterday, I ran an an experiment on myself using caffeine for a future episode of Top Mm. Brew. We've been planning this one for a while to talk about caffeine. And so I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but let's just say I I had a lot of caffeine last yesterday. So I didn't have much sleep last night. Oh, really? No, not at all. How about you? Uh, You're working on something new and different over at the roaster. Yeah. Speaking of caffeine, we're working on a, a high caffeine blend right now for one of our private label customers. They wanted something that was uh, maybe some of the listeners the listeners have heard of Death Wish Coffee, which is you know an insane amount of caffeine coffee wise and uh, pretty much any kind of drink wise, but even beginning to approach those kind of levels. But it's it, it's a a blend of ro- robusta beans and robusta beans, beans just being the uh, lesser appreciated, highly right. caffeinated coffee bean that's commonly used in gas stations and fast food joints to give the most kick. Right and. And espresso as well. It's used in a lot of espresso blends. I didn't know it, that because it, it helps. It not, not only does it help provide the kick, but it, it helps provide the uh, the crema for mm. the uh, really for the for the espresso. Right. We, it's something that we knew that we were going to start experimenting with one day. Um, but we had a, a customer that was you know wanting to have a higher octane blend, so to speak. And at one time, y'all were talking about having one for Thrasher too. Right. Because as we've already discussed on the show earlier in earlier episodes, the, the lighter you roast a coffee, the more the natural caffeine stays in the final product. The the longer you roast it, in other words, the darker the roast, the, the, the lower the caffeine. Because the because the heat, the longer you expose it to the heat, it it, it just it burns off. It you know, you know, parts of the bean just start to, to deteriorate as you yeah, and, and as the you, caffeine as you take would it hotter. Be one of those things to right. deteriorate. Right. Because it, it's infused in the bean. It's part of the bean. The longer you roast a bean, the lighter it gets. So it, it has less mass. It, it, it's 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 there's less of the of the original material there than there is in the in the lighter roasted beans. So we're 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 not roasting it as dark as we would say um, like our prospect or maybe even our Liberty blend. It's a little bit. It's not a light roast, but it's not a it's not a dark roast. It's a, you know more of a medium dark, and it also has robusta in it. So we're playing around with that, and then we're also gonna start using those robusta beans to. Uh, hopefully create our own espresso nice. blend for yeah. um, in anticipation of, well, not just selling it for people who want espresso, but also for our shop. I'd like to do a taste test with the Robusta beans and the Arabica beans here in a couple of weeks too and compare. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, the, the, just the like a blind taste test and mm-hmm. see like, well, which one was which did I notice when they're fresh? You know, the, the experience with that most people I think would have where the Robusta beans would be when they're not so fresh because they're commonly used, like I said, from the cheap uh, coffee stations you'd find at the gas stations and at the fast food restaurant joints yeah. and may, may be commonly used for pre-ground bags of coffee you get at the grocery store, just depending on the brand, I guess. But yeah. it still it would happen. And I don't think anyone has uh, that I've come across has really talked about what fresh Robusta beans are exactly like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd like to know the the variety and the differences. Yeah, and and just like with arabica, you know, th- those are, those are the two primary families of of, of the coffee plant, the arabica and the and the robusta. Um, the robusta typically has about seventy five to one hundred percent more more caffeine in the bean, so it, it is a higher caffeine content, and it is it does tend to be a little bit more bitter 
but it's it, it's still coffee. It's it's not you know it's been it's been much demonized, I guess, as, as being a lower grade coffee, and it is. But if you get if you get a high quality, robusta bean, it, it's comparable to to some of the uh, maybe lower to medium grade arabica. I mean, I mean, if you take oh. a high quality robusta and you take a high quality arabica, you can pull gonna, it off. Yeah, the arabica is gonna gonna win every time. Hmm. But if you're if you're comparing the high quality robusta to maybe a a mid quality arabica, mm-hmm. you mix those two together, and they're gonna they're gonna complement each other well. Hmm. So that way, you get the kick and you get the flavor. We have a, a, several different topics to discuss today because we wanted to go into something of a speed round. Eric, I wanted to talk about these things on many an episode of Top Brew, but we didn't feel like we had enough to really talk about for the whole show. So these are little light tips and tricks that you can find deep within the details of home brewing your coffee. How to take it up a notch if you're handcrafting your coffee and you want to know, like, what difference does it make if I use weight scales versus measuring scoops? You know, what difference does it make what the temperature is? And so I thought we should try and tackle many a little bullet point here. I think that this this would help a lot, a lot of people who are skeptical about their home brewing technique, like, you know, maybe they've had some success doing it and they know it made it a difference, but then it's really difficult for them to explain it to other people who haven't picked up handcrafted coffee. And so you tell your friends, hey, I'm making my own coffee at home. And then all of a sudden, everybody looks at you like you're the weird one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be the weird coffee person if you can explain your your scientific approach or that it simply just makes a better cup of coffee, you know, and, and that's what you're looking for is a, f- a better, flavorful, rich, fresh experience with the coffee that's uh, not so mediocre like a lot of coffee is. I mean, everybody has had and knows what mediocre coffee seems to be to them. Like uh, my wife, she over the years hasn't taken a huge interest in coffee, but now when we're at a restaurant, she won't order the coffee because she knows 10 times out of 10, the the coffee you get with dinner, no matter how good the dinner is, the coffee's just going to be, eh, whatever. Yeah. But, but then she knows, Hey, I'm the one making coffee here at home. And every day she gets that cup of coffee and it hits the spot. And now she said that I've spoiled it for her because she doesn't know what I'm doing. She doesn't know how I'm preparing the beans. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know what goes into them, but she knows that she's not going to get the same taste from any coffee anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's also the fact that, that, that you care that you take the time to, to prepare a decent cup of coffee. I mean, it's the difference between you know, baking a cake from scratch and then just just throwing a a Betty Crocker mix together and and throwing that in the oven. You know, both are cakes, but one's going to taste better. It's going to taste fresher. There's going to be a difference to the the made from scratch one as 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 the Betty Crocker one. But if you're if all you've ever eaten your whole life is the Betty Crocker cake, then that's going to taste like cake to you. That, right. The other one's going to well, yeah, that's pretty good, but I don't I'm not sure that that it's it's to my liking. If you if the only banana pudding you've ever had is those little self-serve like pop open the the silly seal cups, yeah. you know, and eat the banana pudding inside with tons of artificial flavoring and yellow coloring like we do in America right. with all our foods, uh, then you've never had banana pudding. My mother makes delicious banana mm-hmm. pudding. It is so complex. It is something you savor from the moment it's made. The leftovers if it's possible, could be better than when it's fresh. It's it's that good. Yeah, it's better with age. So I see exactly what you're point. talking about there. Yeah, to a point until the bananas <laughs> are turning brown. Yeah, and then uh, blind taste tests or no blind taste tests. <laughs> yeah. You just want to throw that stuff out, right? Okay, so let's hunker down here. We got the questions all concerning coffee and uh, taking the home brewing up a level. First question on the speed round, and I don't know that we're going to answer them like licking. Is there going to be a bell? 
Am I being timed? Uh, ding. Here we go. How does water brewing temperature make a difference? I don't know. Yeah. It's, Next question. Oh, okay. Okay. How do that? No, no. Um, <laughs> first of all, it's something that we talked about, like, it feels like ages ago when, when you had a burst of insight, when it had to do with coffee, you said that water is the secret ingredient in coffee. Yeah. Well, it, and I don't know that it's a secret. You were, you were describing it as like, um, the, there is the 2%, which is the, which is the coffee, you know, flavor that's derived from the coffee grounds from yeah. the brew. And then there's the 80, another 98%, which is the water. Yeah. Intuitively we would think, okay, there's two ingredients here, coffee and water. So it's, it's a, you know, 60, 40, 50, 50 split or something like that, but it's nowhere close to that. Water is, is 98.2 or something. It's, it's, it's higher than 98%. And the, and the, and the coffee provides like a one and a half to 2%. It contributes that little yeah. to the to the overall drink. So water is extremely important. And if there's if there's odd flavorings in your water, there's yeah, so no coffee in the world that's going to help mask it. It, it. In fact, what it's probably going to do is enhance it. If you have a uh, chlorine or if you have uh, a just like, tap know, hard water, water of or, any kind, you know, yeah. you, know, you know, add your different different things that that you know water companies around the world add to make our water potable in order for us, for us to drink right out of the tap. It's safe to drink, but there's but there's well, I guess if you ask Certain people, there's fluoride and all these other things in it that doesn't make it safe to drink. But all those chemicals, all those things that they treat our water with do affect the flavor. And when you just take that, boil it and and, and add coffee to it, well, it's going to, you're going to taste it. You're gonna, yeah. Something that's drinkable isn't necessarily a good, tasty drink. Right. Then you go to the other extreme and you say, okay, so we just want a clean nothing in it foundation. We want distilled water. We just, yeah. we just want pure H2O. Is there something wrong with that? Yeah. You end up with a pretty flat cup of coffee because really? there's, there's, there's really nothing in that. It, it's it, nothing it's for the hydrogen and oxygen molecules. There's, there's nothing in there for the, for the coffee to attach itself to. Yeah. Nothing for the coffee's residual brew elements to, to combine with, right. to, to bind itself with in, within the water. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, it's a very foundational, very base cup of coffee. And it's not like it's going to be bad or anything. No. But you're not going to get the- um, There's like a balance there. The notes ideal. That, that the coffee offers. You're not going to get them to a, to a degree that you would with, say with something like spring water, mineral spring water. Spring water or, or just a, a decent general purpose filtered, filtered water. Filtered water. Yeah. I mean, even just running your water through a charcoal filter like you would in like a, like a Brita pitcher or those, those things you attach to your sink and, and you turn them on and off. Those are going to help immensely with your coffee- flavor is going to improve it dramatically. So we've bounced all around the question, though. I, I want to say that the water temperature does make a difference. Oh, it and, does. It, and it yeah, depends it on the brewing method. Like, you know, if you go to the electric drip, typically it's temp- uh, brewing it at what, almost 200 degrees? Almost? Uh, well, yeah, it's going to vary between machines, but yeah, it's going to be between It's on the high. It's on the high end. Right. You know, water boils at 212. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's on the verge of boiling point. That's Fahrenheit for our European listeners. Yes. And in the show notes, I'll have a reference to the Celsius. But but yeah, if you're doing pour overs, French presses, aero presses, then you typically go for something closer to 200 degrees or even lower. And it depends on taste. What I found is that if I'm using the pour over, I like to have it up at a 205 degrees, mm-hmm. you know, 200 to 205 degrees. And that makes a, a bolder pour over drink. And if you, if you drop it beneath that, it almost gets to the point of just being weak. Like there's a fine line there where you drop below 200 degrees and it just, it just becomes weak coffee. It doesn't extract as well as it 
as it would at the higher temperatures. But there, then there's there's also the uh, the question of okay, once I make this cup of coffee, how quickly do I want to be able to drink it? I mean, if you've got some some like ironclad palate and and you and you can just you can just take almost boiling liquid and and, and dump it into your mouth without a problem, <laughs> then fine. But I find if I make my coffee too hot, that I have to let it sit for you know five ten minutes or so before I can actually drink it with enjoyment. Rather than than just drinking it to to uh, like grin and bear it, you right? Know? And it's, that's really annoying. In some situations, it's downright dangerous. Like you're dashing out the door, and you know you're going to be gone for the rest of the afternoon. You want to take the coffee mug with you, and maybe it's not you, but your spouse who has the bad habit of not putting the lid on top. And so, whatever the case may be, the coffee is too hot. And in the event that it should just you know scold anyone's fingers, it's it's bad. It's just not cool yeah. when it when it can get on you. And even if that's not a problem, you burn your tongue a few times and you you have fewer taste buds. (laughs) You just do for the rest of your life. And that's not something that I want to experience. Right. So. Yeah. But if, but if you, if you make in anticipation of that, if you don't make the the water hot enough, it's not going to extract like it would at the, at the higher temperatures. So you can, yeah, sure. After you, as soon as you make it, you can start drinking it, but you're not going to get the more full extracted coffee cup of coffee as, as you would as if you use 200 degree water. Well, and for um, these reasons, I usually wait about five to 10 minutes before I start to drink coffee that was brewed at 200 degrees or higher. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only for reasons of pain, but, but you try to get it out of your mouth because it's painful. You know, it's not, it's not something that you're, um, that you're savoring. You're just, you're, you're trying to get the experience no. finished with. Obviously nobody wants the lukewarm cup of coffee and I'm right there with them. Right. But the AeroPress recipes in general recommend that you get the coffee temperature way down to 176 degrees to, say, 185, depending on what you're trying to brew, which kind of recipe. And this is what they recommend from the AeroBee company with their own master recipe and then many others who've contributed to the AeroPress culture. I pay close attention because this is my go-to press of choice. What I have found is that they're kind of right. Like I like the overall consistency of flavor from cup to cup when it's brewed at a lower temperature. Now, that doesn't mean that it's, quote, right or that it's wrong to brew it at a higher temperature. A lot of people want to brew it at a higher temperature. And I've seen many an AeroPress recipe you know, tip online, a YouTube video where the person was like, oh, yeah, I, what I do is I brew it at 200 degrees. I stir or the slurry together in my AeroPress for about a minute and I let it sit there for about three minutes and then I press. And it's like, well, now you're using it basically like a French press. Your yeah. recipe is very similar to the French press by that point. And you can do that. If you like the result, go for it. But the the water temperature makes a difference in terms of the consistent flavors throughout the entire cup. And I think the higher the temperature gets, the more deadened the flavors become. The coffee throughout the cup will be more consistent. So it just tastes like general purpose coffee. So it's going to be coffee, but it's not going to have any sort of interesting notes of coffee flavors that that I'm looking for, that I appreciate more than just a dull, stale version of coffee. I think that the, perhaps the temperature accelerates the aging process of the coffee. And I can't scientifically prove that, but that's what it seems to be. Like if I have two-month-old coffee beans and I've made a cup of coffee with it, and then I compare that to the, the coffee made at a higher temperature – there's more similarity in in terms of the the flavor spectrum with what I've had in my cup of coffee. Yeah, and that would make sense um, just on a, on a common sense level. You know, if you're using hotter water, you are uh, you are doing more chemical reactions um, between between the coffee and the water than than you would be. 
maybe not more, but but to a to a higher extreme than yeah. than, than you would be at the at the lower degrees, where it'll be maybe a, a little bit more subtle. Yeah, again, it's all based on preference. It really is, and it's it's really um, just like with all the things we'll talk about today. It's really about consistency. Yeah. If you're varying your 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 method every day, um, you really have no way of of knowing. Sure, I'm I'm getting a, a a decent cup of coffee every morning, but I'm really not telling myself which which way do I like it best. And, and you're not comparing coffee to coffee to coffee to coffee. If you have a bag of of whatever Ethiopian, and you make it every morning, and you make it in Different temperatures and in different and different methods and everything. And every morning you like it, but one morning it, it, it turns out that this is this is the one. This is the one that mm-hmm. I that I really think is the best. You can't isolate that method then. If you're constantly using the same method, then then the only thing that's that that's changing day to day is you, of course, and and the coffee. Yeah. So it it just it just helps you if you're being consistent with your method every day. Then then you're actually just tasting the coffee. The method isn't playing as much of a role as it would if if you were modifying it every day. Yeah. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, Thrasher Coffee, for providing the support for Top Brews Podcast and its website. Thrasher is a small batch roaster of high-quality, responsibly sourced coffee. They don't roast until you order on their website so that you can be assured that the beans that you brew are as fresh as you can possibly get them unless you have roasted them yourself. Thrasher sources beans from anywhere in the world, and every bag is a full 16-ounce pound, and that's 30% more coffee beans than most other so-called pounds of coffee that other roasters pack. So it's definitely more bean for every buck. Thrasher doesn't roast for supermarkets. They roast exclusively for people like our listeners, people like you, discerning coffee lovers and enthusiasts. The only way to ensure that you're brewing the freshest coffee around is a routine coffee delivery subscription. You can purchase Thrasher coffee by the pound, order by order, or get their extraordinarily fresh beans automatically delivered to your door every two weeks or once a month. Plan prices start at just $17.99 per pound, and shipping is always a flat rate of $5. You choose from their roasts, then you choose when you want them to be delivered to your doorstep. Thrasher always treats top brew listeners like the beautiful coffee brewers that y'all are. You'll get 10% off of your purchase when you use the coupon code ELECTRICDRIPS at checkout. So my thanks to Thrasher Coffee for supporting Top Brew, which is this podcast and our website and Eric Rauch. Hmm. So back to the speed round list. Next question. How does measuring the coffee beans, the grounds make a difference? And I I think that like the concentrate in your brew is going to be thicker with more coffee, just more coffee concentrate. If you use too much grounds when you're brewing uh, any, with any kind of device, any kind of press. So if the recommended amount of coffee for French press of brew is like, you know, let's say it's um, 30 grams per the ratio of how much water you're using, but you used 50 grams, there's just going to be a higher concentration of coffee to the water ratio when right. you're all said and done. So a very unscientific method is to use some kind of scoop that you got with a coffee kit Maybe that coffee electric drip maker came with a scoop, and supposedly it's the scoop to scoop them all, but it's uh, it's very arbitrary. It's a very subjective sort of measuring device. Yeah, because it's 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 treating all all coffee beans as as being the same, but 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 they're not. Yeah, there's there's difference in size in the beans. There's difference Volume. in weights. There's yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's all sorts of differences. Pores. Um, and that's again, this is where um, using a using a scale. Just puts you back on the road to consistency. 
Well, yeah, and see, that's what we recommend is right. that you ditch the scoops and the measuring cups and the spoons and the like all the time when it comes to measuring your coffee, and that you use a simple kitchen weight scale on the counter. Yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're if you're traveling with your AeroPress, or if you're, you know, if you're if you're away, you got to do what you got to do, and you got a scoop. You know, fine, of course, use. The You'll scoop. notice a difference, though. Yeah, um, but it, you know, it's it's not like like the. Like you have to have a scale to make great coffee, but again, day to day to day, if if you're using 30 grams for for 450 grams of water in your ratio, and and, and you find that I made this coffee that I just bought twice using the 30 the 30 gram ratio, it's good, but it's just not it's not bold enough, or uh, you know, I, I would like just a little bit more coffee in there, then then try 33 grams with with a scoop. That's a little hard to do, um, but if you have, if you have a scale, you can you, you you can take it up you can take it up a gram, you can take it up a half a gram if you if you're if your scale does that, you can play with with the ratio a little bit more easily. If you didn't have the scale, it's all about personal preference, but it it's it's also about you know making your making your method as consistent as possible from day to day. I've noticed too when I use the AeroPress scoop, which uh, comes with every AeroPress kit, that it, it's going to give you some recipes that say, "Hey, we recommend using one scoop," and then there's other recipes that say use two. And then there are the recipes that say use one and a half. Right. But the scoop itself is not an even evenly distributed. The bottom of it is rounded. The top of it is uh, wider than it is at the bottom. So knowing exactly what the halfway point in the scoop is never never precise. And so some days I uh, when I first got my kitchen weight scale, I thought, am I really wasting money here? So I'd spent seventeen dollars on a plastic weight scale and just for measuring my coffee beans. I was like, am, am I just, you know, is someone pulling my leg? And no, they weren't because I, I used um, a measuring cup. I sit on the kitchen's weight scale. And then from that, I was able to measure the coffee beans uh, that were in the AeroPress scoop. And the scoop was supposedly like, you know, what is it? 16 grams or something. And, but then what it showed on the weight scale was something like 13 or 14 mm-hmm which actually makes a significant difference. If the recipe calls for 17 grams and you're under that, then you're bound to get weaker coffee that day. But then you scoop it again, you get the scoop and you try another scoop of beans and boom, you got 21 grams out of the scoop this time. So there really is no consistency with a measuring scoop. And that kind of scientific precision with the weight scale just means that from day to day, if you like consistent coffee, this is the only way you're going to get consistent coffee. Yeah, and 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 it's like any other recipe. Look, like to go back to the back to the cake analogy. If you just if you just use uh, it says a, a teaspoon of baking powder or whatever sugar or you know if you just if you just guess it's well every cake every cake you bake is gonna be different. But if you if you actually use the tablespoon, level it off, and and so you've got exactly a, t- a tablespoon of sugar in there, your your cakes are gonna be more consistent. If it's if if consistency is not important to you, then 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 you can, you can disregard the message. But all these things are are trying to just make a consistent cup of coffee and view it as we would other other food items that that require recipes. You know, it's a it's a chemical reaction that's happening between the water, the hot the hot water or the cold water, and the and the and the coffee. And if you're if you're trying to isolate, make that chemical reaction the same each day. Then you're you're going to want to try to put in the same amount of of each item of coffee and water each day. Yeah, if you if you have your in laws out from out of town over to your place and you're trying to serve them coffee in the morning every day of the week, you know for the over the holidays you want to give them a consistent cup of coffee and maybe it's Monday they say hmm that's good yeah 
but then Tuesday, they're not so excited about whatever it is you made, and you feel like you did everything exactly the same. But the difference was that you were using a scoop, and you just didn't wind up with the same ratio of coffee to water. Yeah. Next question is how does the fitness, sorry, the fineness of the grounds, what is the fitness of a coffee bean? Has it been doing its bench prices? Okay, <laughs> how does the fineness of the grounds make a difference? This is a question concerning how f well you grind the beans. And there's all different kinds of grinders. A lot of people use the blade grinders, which we do not like and do not recommend, but we still use them because they are very practical in many situations. I know, Eric, you've used blade grinders far more often than you've used burr grinders. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm a burr grinder guy now, but I actually use the blade grinder for some kinds of pour over coffee for some people, because I know that from their taste, they like the results that they get out of the blade grinder coffee than they do from the burr grinder coffee. And that has more to do with the limitations of my fancy Bonavita burr grinder than it has to do with the blade grinder itself. My, my burr grinder, it's most coarse grind is a little bit still on the fine side. And so it's not appropriate for pour over coffee. You know, you want a uh, whatever seems to create the best results in terms of taste. Again, like the water ratio, like um, the measuring your beans ratio thing. You want something that produces a, a good tasty cup of coffee. It, it really boils down to the taste. There's not a great scientific approach about this except to try and find a consistent good tasting cup of coffee. So what people have found is that in general, it's nice to have your French press coffee grounds on the coarse side. Mm-hmm. And then if you're making your espresso, doesn't it need to be super fine? Yeah, it, typically it's more powdery. Um, it, it, it would be a finer grind. It's like powdered um, sugar at some point. Some of it is. But that instance with the, with the French press and with the espresso is more about how quickly the water goes through. You're going to want to make your espresso fine when the water builds up the pressure and it, and it goes through that mound of coffee. And you're going you're gonna to tamp it down. You're going to make it like, a, like they call a, a puck. It's, it's, it's going to resist the water more as a powder. If you have a bunch of tiny little rocks in there that would be like a coarse ground, the water is going to go through much more easily than it would if, there, if, if there's this fine bed of powder. So it's going, to, it's going to resist the water going through it, and it's going to extract more as the pressure from the machine pushes the water through. With a French press, typically you want to use a, a coarse ground, not necessarily because of the extraction, but because of the press. After, after the four minutes... You're 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 taking uh, the four or five minutes. You're, you're you're taking a screen and pushing it down through the entire mass of, of water and coffee. And if it's too fine, it's going to clog up your 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 screen filter. And it's and difficult. It, and it's gonna yeah, it's gonna resist. It's not gonna want to let you push the screen through. And that 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 get, that gives you more of a dirty cup of coffee as well. By the same token, with a French press, it does the same thing. That, that's what I was talking sorry, about. I'm sorry, the air press. It, well, it gives you a, a difficulty when you're pressing the presser on top. Right. It does extract more when, when the coffee's finer, like a, like a Turkish coffee. You're, you're essentially boiling the fine coffee grounds in the water, and, and you do end up with pieces of, of, of the coffee that didn't, that didn't boil out. Mm, just sediment. You get that in the French press as well if you're, if you're not making the grind coarse enough for the, for the press to go through, and, and some of it's going to get through. Some of it's going to go back to the top side of the screen and be, and be a part of the, of the coffee that you drink. If you like a very clean cup of coffee, a French press is not the way to go. All right, next question we have is, where do the flavors come from? And this is a little bit trickier because you'll know that there are many different kinds of coffees from around the world. And that's something that the products like to boast. You look at their packaging, you visit a coffee's website, 
You talk to the roaster, you talk to that barista, you see their menu today, and they're proud to say that they have the such and such dark roast, but it comes from Yugoslavia, you know, and, and that makes a world of difference. Yeah, Yugoslavia is not known for their coffee. No, not today, but one of these days. <laughs> I'm actually making a prediction. We'll just wait until that day comes. But yeah, the, the natural flavors, there's natural flavors that are coming from the coffee's source. There's multiple ways to get that. Some people just take it right in, into a vat of water and swish it around for hours, you know, 72, 48 hours or something like that, and, and, get, the, and get the seeds extracted out that way. Some places what they do is they'll, they'll, they'll just pick the fruit and they'll, they'll lay it out on, on a big tarp and let it sun dry. So the, the fruit, just like a, a dried out piece of fruit does, it, the water in it evaporates and it, it's all wrinkly. And then they'll, they'll take the skin off, they'll process the skin off. That, that's where you're going to get the fruit flavor. Really? Because you're 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 allowing the sun to bake onto the seed, and and it infuses some of its 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 sweet fruit flavors in into the coffee bean itself. Sometimes it's it's a little bit less noticeable than others. Um, Ethiopian Yurgashev is known for its fruity taste, and primarily that's due to how it's processed. There's a a certain flavor, a certain um, quality that comes from the terroir. The transient, from the, the transient nutrients in their soils and yes, their weather patterns. That, that's, that's unique to the rest of the world. You can only grow Yurgoshev coffee right there because that's, they have the, they have the unique It's like Vidalia onions. Yeah. You know, that you're just going to get something very unique with Vidalia yeah, you can, onions. You can take the, those coffee plants, plant them somewhere else, and they'll, they'll, they'll still be those type of plants, but they're not going to have the unique um, Yurgashev flavors that you would get from actually growing them there in, in Ethiopia. Except in the case for when you, you come across a package that says it's hazelnut coffee or oh, yeah. something like that, then we're talking about artificial flavors almost and that, all and the that's, time. And that's added after processing. That That's added during the roast. Which is something we're just not crazy about. It, it, it's almost guaranteed it's not going to be a fresh coffee product, freshly roasted coffee product. And besides that, you're talking about synthetic flavoring and, yeah. and that's just disgusting. Yeah, it's a... It, it, nine times out of ten, it's going to be artificially flavored, and, and it's going to be some sort of oil that they that they squirt in the coffee after it's been roasted, or or maybe in the final stage of roasting, so it so it, it tends to get into the bean somehow. But yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm not a fan of the end uh, result. Is just not a very tasty cup of coffee. Not really. No. I mean, it, you have to kind of like uh, trick yourself into believing that it's a good kind of coffee bean <laughs> product. It's like if somebody says, "Mmm, Grandma's homemade pumpkin pie," but then you taste this stuff. And you're like, what is this? Yeah. It's like, well, we got this out of the frozen section and we barely heated it up. And uh, then we left it on the counter for a little while. And well, it's homemade pumpkin pie. No, it's not homemade pumpkin pie. Right. It's just something you got out of the grocery store in the frozen section. And it's not the same. Yeah. If, if, if you absolutely love hazelnut and you want it in your coffee, I would I'd recommend you get Tarani syrup or, or, or maybe the... Uh, the hazelnut flavored creamer and just add it after the fact, you know, just brew the coffee as coffee. Don't try to get the flavors into the coffee in, in the pot, but then add the flavors when it's, when it's in your cup. Yeah. In general, I'm still not crazy about those, but the results of the taste is much better. I have have had um, vanilla like iced coffee, for right. instance, and I, I think that's pretty good. I yeah. like that sometimes. Last question, storing coffee beans for freshness. Does this really matter? Um, why does it matter? How does it matter? Do you use um, the original package the coffee beans came in? Do you use a Ziploc bag because it seals it better? Uh, does it matter if you put them into a canister and why? It absolutely matters. And um, it matters for freshness, really? Right. Yeah. Because the moment coffee is roasted, the staleness clock, or if you want to look at it as the glass being half full, the freshness clock is ticking. I mean, there's nothing you can do to stop it. 
Um, some it's of just the, like a loaf of bread in that way. Right. It just it just goes downhill immediately. You know, in our in our modern world, there's all sorts of different things that we've invented to help slow it, slow down that that staling process, like like uh, flushing the beans with nitrogen, having the air valve, so that if if air does start to build up in there, it 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 gets released. It, it's a one-way valve, so the 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 air inside the coffee goes goes out of the bag, and, and but air from the outside doesn't doesn't penetrate in. Those tend to work okay. They're not perfect, nope. um, because they're you know they're mass manufactured at, you know millions at a time, and you know there's there's going to be imperfections in the air, in the air valve. I found some valves that that when you push on it, it just doesn't it it, it doesn't, doesn't let work. air go either way. Yeah, it's just it's just clogged up somehow. It's a good idea, and it's and it's definitely preferable to not having it on there. But ideally, what you want to do is, is you want to just buy enough coffee to last you maybe a week, maybe a week and a half. Two weeks, and put it in some kind of air sealed storage. Yeah, yeah, which is which is is certainly helpful. Um, you know, something out of out of the sunlight, something dark and and airtight. But just realize that you're not stopping the staling process, and that's that's why I, re- I recommend if people buy too much coffee and that 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 and it's going to get into like the third or fourth week before they actually get to it. Go ahead and put it in the freezer. I mean, that's not gonna that's not gonna hurt mm-hmm. it. Um, but keep it in, in its original bag. Put it in another Ziploc bag, you know, double bag it. It's sealed up nice and tight. And that's mainly to keep the the freezer, the things inside the freezer, mm-hmm. the freezer burn. Maybe if there's something else in the freezer that's that's contributing to a an odor or something in the in the freezer, that it's not going to get into the coffee and and taste like it's been been in the freezer for several weeks. But w- what you're essentially doing at that point is you're is you're you're stopping the the freshness clock. You know, you're 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 kind of putting it in suspended animation as it freezes. But as soon as you take it out of the freezer, and, and again, I don't recommend keeping it in the freezer. It's a term storage solution, not not an everyday thing. If you're running low, you're done with your coffee and you have a bag in the freezer, take it out and keep it out. Then then take that coffee, put it in your airtight container and and use that as your as your uh, as your day to day drinker. But don't use the don't use the freezer as a it's just a general purpose storage over time. No. Right. You know, ideally the best thing to have is 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 fresh coffee coming to you all the time on a subscription plan from Thrasher Coffee. That's what I do. That's what we tend to recommend. But if if you can't if you can't do that or you don't want to do that, you wanna have you wanna have three or four pounds on hand, people are gonna get extremely picky about it. And you no, that's you cannot ever put coffee in the freezer. That kills it. Yeah, you know, while we're talking about the freezer, though it's not something I do all the time, it's it's definitely uh, overthinking the process. But if you wanted to have like a general purpose gift to give people in the event that there is a reason and an occasion to give some some friend or loved one a, a present and you're in a hurry and you forgot to get them something meaningful, you just want to or maybe it's just at Christmas time and you're giving 101 different gifts away at Christmas time. Because you just are. There are too many gift games to go around at all the parties. What I do sometimes is um, I order an extra collection of pounds of coffee around that time to have some on hand so that when somebody says, oh, you forgot to get a gift for so-and-so for the thing that's going on tonight. Yeah. Or there's a, there's a white elephant thing that you completely forgot about. Yeah. Just have some extra bags of coffee that are sealed, never been opened in the freezer. You get one of those out in a couple of hours, it's in room temperature again, and you give it to them at the party. And it looks like a thoughtful gift because it came from a craft roaster. Right. And it is a thoughtful gift because it always, it's the gift that keeps on giving day after day, caffeine and coffee and uh, yeah, all that fun jazz. Well, this is going to wrap it up for episode 17, right, Eric? That's it. That's all I got.
Yay. It's been a good one. And uh, I hope that you uh, appreciated something to do with all of the, uh, these uh, nerdy, detailed brewing tips. I think that they're very helpful. They certainly made a world of difference to me and my coffee brewing over the years. Visit topbrew.fm slash podcast slash 17 for the show notes and links. And if you want to connect with us, we are at topbrewfm on Twitter. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Darnell. And Eric is antisocial. He's too busy making coffee. So you won't find him anywhere. You can also send your comments via email to feedback at topbrew.fm. And if you're uh, the different sort of flower out there that wants to do something else, like Facebook. You can also find us on Facebook. Believe it or not, we're on Facebook and that's facebook.com slash FM. And if you would like to introduce a topic or question that you'd like us to feature on a future episode, don't be shy about it. Write us with hashtag ask in the message and you'll be mentioned in the next episode. And we'll talk about whatever it is you want us to discuss about coffee. As always, the Top Brew podcast is available on iTunes. And if you would visit us there and give us a one-click star rating, that would just be super. It uh, makes the show look good. But more than that, it also boosts our ranks so that more people can discover the show and enjoy it like you do. And if you write a quick review on iTunes, that also boosts the show in the rankings so that it becomes a listener favorite and we get a media attention out there. Remember that you visit topbrew.fm for more episodes of this podcast, as well as written interviews and articles. We have everything there from quick coffee brewing tips uh, in an article format to the latest interesting news about coffee around the web. And lastly, this show is sponsored by our awesome sponsor, Thrasher Coffee. We love them. They're the greatest. They're a great craft roaster, and you really should try their roasts. They're always doing something special from week to week, and their business is growing. So get on the train while you still can in the early days when Eric is the one who is roasting all their coffees, and you know that you got beans prepared by someone you can trust. Buy Thrasher Coffee and let them know that we sent you, and... And if you would like to sponsor a future episode of Top Brew, bring that up to us as well. Send your email to joe at topbrew.fm to talk about sponsoring Top Brew. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to the Top Brew Podcast. <laughs>